Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. Let's get ready to rumble! Senior Nation jam-packed show today. Peloton of 5%. What's up, discipline investor? We got Benzinga CEO Jason Raznick here with us. The man, the myth, the legend, Tom Nash. Peter Schiff on the Power Hour with us live today. Interesting, different, unique, innovative companies. Mia, you are live with us on the Power Hour. What's up? Thank you so much for inviting me on. Jessica Billingley, that is the CEO of Aperna. Yo, what's going on, producer AB? What's going on, Zinger Nation? Happy Tuesday. Look at that. We, we like, didn't even really have to do any work, and we were already at Tuesday. Tuesday. We're like a full day of work in, and then we get to Tuesday. We're already there, baby. Let's go. Let's fire it up. Okay. You want to know one stock that I got killed on, guys? Yep. Let's hear it. I don't know how I bought this much of it because when I bought my call options, I usually keep it low. But ALK, we were in, you know, that day that I was buying all those like travel airlines and travel stocks. ALK, I never trimmed my calls, I guess, got executed for too much. (laughs) I'm going to lose 40. You basically bought a ton of stock. I bought a ton of ALK options. Um, like I usually spend like anywhere from 800 to 1200, 1400 my first buy, and then I'll whatever, and then I'll dial into it if it starts ro- rolling my way. I spent $4,200 on those call options for ALK, and I'm gonna and they're down to 250 bucks. <laughs> like I'm gonna lose everything on that one, $4,200, which dumb dumb dumbo, you know. I I have a call. Wait, so you're still in the calls, or it rolled into stock? The calls haven't expired yet. Nope, they have not expired. Uh, okay. <laughs> I don't do like these rollover things. The calls are going to probably expire worthless unless we have a huge run in ALK. All right, so if you guys are booking flights, help Jason out. Make Alaska Air your airline of choice. And, and yes, please do. And then the other thing um, that you know, Tesla had a nice run last week. Um, I've been a long time, you know, bull Tesla. I sold a little bit of shares today, very small amount, <gasps> like less than 1%. Say I have 530 shares, I sold five shares. What I would like to do is buy some protection on my Tesla position. So like long-term puts. Um, I don't know, I would like to maybe do that on the show, but let's, it's, you know, Tesla's 31% of my portfolio. And um, and so, and I've cashed now my portfolio. I've sold some stuff and, you know, the VTNs, those ones have been doing well, but, um, Tesla, I would like to buy some of these long-term calls um, that like protect me if it went down to like 580 is what I want protection to. Yeah, Jason, if it makes you feel any better on the ALK calls, I have calls that expire, or I should say options that expire worthless every Friday. Um, it's kind of like a weekly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did buy Eli calls uh, this morning. Oh, I love that. I love that. I'm so long golf right Cali now. Golf. We talked about this to, with uh, Ross Gerber as well, just that there's so many yep. different of the show. demographics. I bought, I, bought, I bought it. I bought Eli when Ross is on the show. Beautiful. <laughs> I, I, my, I have a call option that's getting absolutely smoked today on ticker AFRM. It's a firm. Uh, and it was actually up like a percent at one point. I checked my Robinhood portfolio and was like, oh, I'm doing pretty well on it. And then the stock just completely tanked is now down well it was down three percent looking at it now it's only down can we get that one pulled up real quick luke afrm are you using yep ben- and then we're gonna you- have to click over to our guests in a second are you using benzinger pro i am but i'm on my i was looking at it on my laptop right now so i'd have to get it pulled up on here okay. but see if you if you scroll down on details luke uh it looked like they had some analyst ratings that 
you know, they were getting like buy ratings on uh, from different analysts. And it seems like the stock has just gotten hammered down like to you see most of them, most of them are bullish. And so essentially what this company is doing is they're allowing consumers to. So say you go to book an Airbnb and the Airbnb is two thousand dollars. You can pay for it through a firm with interest free payments over like eight payments over three months, you know. So my thesis on it is that people this summer, you know, as we get out of COVID, will have a lot of interest to travel, do all these things and might not have the cash up front to, to do it. But say, Luke, say you're like, oh, we're going to, to Traverse City this weekend and I don't have enough money to go. I'm going to want to do it through a firm because I've had a year long where we haven't had time to, to you know, have fun, vacation, party. I'm not going to want to miss out on trips because I can't pay for it. So I'm going to use a firm. Um, and it seems like they have good institutional backing, all this stuff. But for some reason, the stock just keeps getting hammered. Yeah, I just don't know what the valuation is compared to the P-E ratio and all that stuff. So that's uh, on a firm. I mean, I know a firm pretty well. They've been at our FinTech Awards. But Oh, Neil's could... saying people are even buying clothes with a firm. Wow, yeah. Maybe you want to get a new, a, a new pair of nice shoes. I want some Balenciagas or something. I can go through a firm. Pay yeah. less, whatever. Okay, you know, pay less. Okay, you know what stock is doing well, though, for me, and I've talked about it on the show a bunch. I know we're getting hammered today, but this stock is still doing well for me, and it, it is Generic, G-N-R-C. All right, well, Jason, why don't we bring our guests on, and then let's hit Generac afterward. How's that? Yeah, and Amazon today, too. All right, peace. We, we moved him earlier, and now we're making him wait. The, the so Mulligan let's Brothers? Bring let's bring him on. They take Mulligans? Mulligan Brothers, yeah. what is going Whoa. on? Welcome to the Power Hour. Loving the mustache. You know, oh, it's the only way it grows, man. There, there we go. Uh, and, and you guys are different than our normal guests in, in that, that you're not necessarily stock traders per se, but, but you're creating a documentary <laughs> about the AMC trader. So, yeah, so no, that's us... not quite the right way to put it. Uh, we're creating right. a documentary about uh, what's happening with the retail investors and what happened with the Jamie squeeze, naked short selling, failure to delivers, the situation that continues to happen, and what's wrong with our markets surrounding the situation. Okay, so 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 I I didn't intro it appropriately. So so even j just give give us a little bit more context. So, so you mentioned you know the the GME short squeeze. Uh, I guess can you take us through what what you guys are looking to cover from you know you know be, beginning to end, uh, and and then what inspired the creation of the film? Beginning to end, woof! Can't give it all away. All right, well, um, you know, just what we're doing. Give us uh, a, a lot of why we started this project um, was us being bought into GameStop and AMC stocks ourselves, like so many millions of people and yeah. institutions. Me and AB in that group with you. Yeah, Scion, <laughs> Domo Capital, whoever else. So all of these people um, bought into these stocks with uh, a good play. They made their own decisions, did their own research, did their own due diligence. And what happened in January when Robinhood halted the buying but not the selling of these stocks hit us pretty hard and financially on, on one side, but on the other side, we thought there's something ma like major going on, something wrong happening. And we wanted to set the record straight because what we were seeing on the media uh, was giving a, an incredibly inaccurate description of who these people are that are investing in these stocks. Uh, and that same narrative keeps being told today. So we want to tell the real story of who these people are, what's happening in our markets. And we'll be using some pretty incredible people uh, we interviewed in our film to talk about these issues and what the path is moving forward. Awesome. Well, we, we actually had a, we had a show, this show 
on back in January when the the GameStop thing was first going on. So the stock mm-hmm. had already gone up to about like forty dollars. So the squeeze had already kind of started. But then we brought on Andrew Left from uh, Citron, who was a short seller of GameStop, and when we brought him on. We got flooded in the chat uh, from people from Reddit, you know, Wall Street bets and everything, and it started this whole thing. And in the hour or in like the thirty minutes that left was on the show, the stock went from forty to like seventy five, like yeah. thirty five. You know, it almost it almost doubled like while we the first we had... bit is like public short seller to come out against the thing. Yeah, and that was kind of what it like it 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 wasn't the very start of it, but it kicked it off. It went because then it went from seventy five to two hundred, and then people thought like, no way, it's going to go higher, and then it kept going higher. So. It was fun to be, uh, you know, we were doing our own kind of reporting on it as it happened, and then they just seeing it happen right yeah. now. Our eyes was pretty it it's pretty wild. To be <laughs> we'll part send of that. you. We'll send you the clip in case you want to include part of that footage yeah. in, in the documentary. <laughs> um, so I was looking. So on, on your YouTube, you have a lot of like motivational videos, some other videos that have gotten millions and millions of views. Um, but is this your first video that you're doing about something in the investing world, in the stock market world? Yeah, and I wouldn't say they're they're motivational. Those those are more kind of um, uh, setting the tone for some of the stuff that we want to explore. Um, this is going to be our first documentary focusing around financial markets and financial institutions and structures. So, yeah, I mean we're storytellers, uh, you know, filmmakers, writers, songwriters. So like we are going to be leaning heavily on much smarter people than us in these territories to uh, give us specifics on what's going on in our markets. And then, so so you mentioned that you you guys were both involved in, in, in AMC and GameStop buying it. Was was that your guys' first kind of dive into the financial markets? Or have you been investors before that? That's it, man. Like outside of a four hundred one k that I barely look at, but yeah, I mean, I feel like all of the millions of people that invest in these stocks, many of them are doing it for the first time, and it's a total paradigm shift. I mean, it's people taking control of their own financial futures and wealth creation. And the amount of education going on for how these systems work and how these people are actually interacting with our markets is pretty incredible. And yeah. we'd like to see more people doing the same thing and voting with their dollar and deciding where their money goes. Because the retail investor is smart. Uh, they are incredibly knowledgeable. And the information is out there for people to make better decisions than a lot of these companies whose uh, motives you might not align with. Yeah, so being able to take your money and saying instead of giving it to a 401k or some uh, institution that's going to manage it for you, all of these people are learning enough to be able to say, hey, maybe I want to decide myself how I want to vote with my dollar. I think this company has good uh, fundamentals. I'm gonna go for that. I think this company could do good things for the environment. I'm gonna go for that. Uh, Something I hope continues uh, even after this saga is completed. Um, I hope people go out there and, and vote with their dollar and invest in companies they believe in. And then when we saw this saga kind of playing out in real time with, with GameStop and AMC, um, there was a big kind of storyline that it was, it was retail investors versus hedge funds, retail investors versus the suits. Um, do you guys see that as like an accurate story? Is that going to be the story that you're depicting in a documentary? Or do I mean, you- here's, here's what it is, right? Retail investors did not instigate or create the situation that we find ourselves in. They're not the reason GameStop and stocks like it were shorted well over the float. You know, they're not the reason failure to deliver happen. They're not the reason naked shorting happens. These are normal people who found, who did their own research, found the fundamentals and invested in a stock and a company that they believe in. So this narrative, you know, like the, sure there is rhetoric around those issues saying it's us versus them or whatever. But when we think about that, it's, it's normal people 
against the people that are keeping us from having transparency and fairness in our markets. There's so much we don't know, and we're having to piece together all of this information about what's going on with context and public information, but there's people that know what's going on, and we're going to get to the bottom of it. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I so yeah, I mean, I think I think as we saw that storyline play out in real time with the the retail investors versus hedge funds, there were some kind of problems with that story. Um, essentially, there were a lot of hedge funds and other invest, you know, institutional investors that were also making a killing off these GameStop and AMC trades. Um, but it was a fun storyline for people to dive into. So I was curious if, if that would be, if that was essentially covered in your documentary, which it sounds like it will be. And there are bad actors. Oh, 100%. There yeah. will be a, a part of this film that it focuses on the bad actors. Like, that's why we find ourselves in this position, you know? So to some extent, yeah, we will be focusing on that. So as, as someone who's doing like reporting on it, as you guys are, where would you like to see more transparency in, in, the, in the markets, in, in what's going on right now? Now, again, for us, like we're filmmakers, so there's, there's people that have much better specific answers for exactly the mechanisms that we need more transparency on. But I mean, we're talking about uh, people's short positions, failure to delivers, you know, these issues. We wanna see more transparency yeah. regarding all of this. But again, we're new. We're newbie investors, right? Like we got into AMC and GME, uh, watched millions of people be stolen from, and wanted to make a film about that. Yeah. So in doing that, there's hours and hours and hours and days of research that we'll be doing, but there's also very smart people that we'll be including within the film to help actually kind of pull yeah. the curtain back and decide what those issues are specifically. Yeah. How we move forward and how we try and have more transparency in our markets and what areas exactly need to be uh fixed patched up and, and covered um you know that's that's something we're going to be looking into extensively you know we definitely believe that moving forward there's an opportunity here to make our markets more fair and equitable for everyone involved in them you know if, if the sec and dtcc can have all the information in front of them if we all us retail investors had all that information at our fingertips it'd be a lot easier for us to know what was going on uh, but you know there could be a a long delay between when it's reported to them, if it's reported to them, and and when we can see that information. But yeah, we're filmmakers first, and we're going to have people who are um, involved in this every day at a granular technical level uh, to answer a lot of those questions for us on camera. Are there any that's one of the things that I, I love about the angle that you guys are coming in with is you were a part of the movement. It's not like you were in financial markets for decades before this, and, and that's who the, who this movie is going to be going out for to, to help spread that awareness to, to the mass populace. And that's good like, too, right? And like, we have to be careful when we say movement because these are no, these are individuals who've done their own research and bought stocks that they like. If there's any kind of movement, it's normal people demanding fairness and transparency in our markets. So just to be clear about that. But yeah, that's right. I mean, we're coming from the community out mm -hmm. um, where we don't have people telling us how to tell this story. So the community, I hope, knows that we have no other agenda than to tell the truth, whatever that truth ends up being. And it's long been our thesis at Benzinga that the, 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 the number of retail investors participating in markets, just like myself and, and producer ABU, will increase. It's yeah. like the, the Internet took off and the stock market lagged behind like two decades, a decade and a half. You know, and, and when finally we see commissions going to zero, account minimums go to zero. I mean, it used to be you needed at least a $10,000 investment to get started. You used to have to call somebody on the phone to place a stock and look at stock prices in the newspaper versus having access on, on a mobile device. So, yeah. Well, there's a danger there, too. Times. You know, just like uh, the business models of social media apps where you are commoditized, 
um, you know, there could be a, a similar thing happening where um, companies are posing as having free trading, that sort of thing, but they're making money off of off of your back. They're lending out your shares and making money off of it and then not giving you any of that money. They're starting you on margin without making it abundantly clear. You know, there's there's all kinds of things that are happening and retail investors um, are being profited off of hand over foot. So it's uh, hand over fist? No, fist. Hand over fist, that's <laughs> the expression. Uh, or feet, whatever. We have two of those. Whatever. Both. So, yeah. And, and one general filmmaking question I want to ask, because I think a lot of our audience don't know, don't know filmmaking, um, but, but but follow markets. What what's something that that like the the per, like the average person who isn't involved in the filmmaking process would be surprised to hear about how how films are are put together, or or I don't know it, it, anything along those lines. I, I think is really interesting. A lot of it's really boring. I mean, it's like legal stuff, scheduling, production management stuff. Um, more scheduling, a little more scheduling. Yeah, some scheduling after after that's some scheduling. <laughs> so I mean, there's just a lot of like nuts and bolts stuff. It's like starting a small business in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, so it's like I love it. I'm a total nerd for all that good behind the scenes production management stuff. But you know, like for a documentary like this, you know, we like, people will say, oh, like, but well, I have to be unbiased. And like, we have a bias. Anyone who says they're going to make a film and says it's unbiased is not being honest with themselves or you. Right, so we'll have our bias, um, but we're going to back it up. Or what's the story we're telling with facts? We're going to tell the truth and do our best to at least be aware of our own bias when we're telling the yeah. story, and to be unafraid of discovering things that may not um, be what we want to discover. You know, we're going to present the facts as we find them as best we can. But yeah, it's exactly right. Everyone has bias, and it's it's a film. And our the main thing that we just is so like, one thing that's really important to us is this you know narrative uh that we want to set the record straight on that um i don't even want to say it for fear of it being used but we're telling a story about people that are working on their own to make financial decisions right like they're not doing anything nefarious or or weird here like you guys on this show talk about car parts fundamentals stuff that you like you crowdsourced you ask more people for their opinions on it you called out your own positions at one point publicly disclosed losses like th these are okay things, right? Like Gary Gensler himself says that we all have free speech and a right to say to a neighbor, right? Whether it's online or in person, I like this investment. Places like uh, Super Stonk, is a, is we're finding creative places to go and share information about a stock that we like, nothing more. This isn't any worse or any better. In fact, in many ways it is better because we actually, most of the time you get disparaged for sharing your positions, but either way. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There's nothing nefarious going on here. These are separate people buying and holding stock in a company they like. And the way that they've been portrayed by the mass media is abhorrent. And we want to try to correct that while digging into the mechanics and illegality that has led to the situation we found ourselves in yeah. that retail is simply reacting to, did not create. Not only are they getting into these, uh, you know, uh, the research that's being done in these spaces is incredible. It's amazing. You know, we have people every day posting really interesting DD, and if it's due diligence, and if it's found to be incorrect, people will eventually call them out or correct it. It's a public source. Yeah, it's publicly sourced, and it's it's really incredible how much information these people are bringing up and having peer-reviewed by, you know, people like David Lauer. Yeah, Austin Tobit, or A. Tobit on Reddit posted his House of Cards trilogy. as this great due diligence report, and we got it was peer-reviewed by uh, David Lauer, Dr. Suzanne Trimbath, like, they're also these these public spaces are getting better at what they're doing, and 
all of the people who have been a part of this from the start have seen how they're portrayed and they're fleeing mass media and they're going to these online meeting places like Trey's channel for AMC or Superstock for, for GameStop. It's, it's an incredible paradigm shift. We're lucky to be a part of it and we want to scream from the rooftops about what's really going on. Awesome. And you guys are, are giving the crowd uh, the opportunity to, to actually help support the film. Um, can, can you tell us a little bit about that and how folks can get involved? Yeah, there's a couple ways you can get involved, a couple ways, I should say. Uh, you can either submit a video of yourself explaining why you got into uh, AMC or GME, uh, what are the reasons behind it. You know, uh, We want to include as many of these folks in the film as possible. It's a big, big important factor to us to have people involved in the making of a film uh, about us, about our community. Um, and would they do that with the submit your story link on the website? Correct. Yeah. And then if you want okay. to support the film, um, you know, we are crowdfunding jackets. it as well. Um, so you can go to that link there. Thank you for showing it. Um, and you can submit at different levels for different rewards, much like a uh, GoFundMe or Kickstarter. Yeah, I mean, it's important Links to us. are to in the chat. Awesome. Thank Hell you. Hell yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, thanks for the book, y'all. Well, do you guys have a, a date in mind that this is, is being released? Uh, we are hoping to wrap by the end of the year. Uh, we don't have a release date as of yet, but that'll come. Got it. And then I have a one final question. Are there, are there Have you noticed any benefits in this process um, in the fact that you are newer, that you were involved, like you got involved in investing through this, that you aren't weren't in financial markets for 10 years before making this video? Yeah. I mean, honestly, we don't have the the baggage of kind of the old way of doing things, more or less. I mean, there's an argument you said that there's a new type of investor out there. And they are, you know, they have morality. Yeah. Uh, it's it's bulls, fascinating. bears, and apes. And apes, right? <laughs> like I have this image of an ape uh, riding on the Wall Street pole with a bear rearing back. You know, it's it's great. Um, so we, I think it's it's awesome the time to get into this. And what we hope to see is that generations of people will learn about markets and financial literacy will become a real priority because that is how we can redistribute wealth is by teaching people who weren't given a chance to learn before about how all of this works. And through that and through public discourse, we will absolutely have a better future for everyone in participating if we can demand transparency and fairness in our markets. Well, thank you for thank you for doing that. I mean, I think it's awesome. I can't wait to watch the final product once it's out there. And yeah, I, I mean, it's just been a fascinating story to to like be involved in. Um, and we're, you know, Luke and I are doing this every single day where we're watching the market, seeing what's going on. So sometimes it's good to be able to take a step back and like look at what really happened, which I'm hoping to be able to do with your your movie. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Thanks a lot. You get really granular with it and watch every tiny detail and move. But if you step back once in a while and try and look at the bigger picture, it becomes pretty clear there's some pieces that are broken. So we are in a, a real moment here in history and we're incredibly excited to be capturing it in real time. Well, thank you again for joining us today on the Power Hour. We hope to, you know, have you all back on anytime there's updates about this film or, or maybe, you know, any subsequent things that you guys are working on in the financial markets. We'd love to have you back on. Um, and if you find anything super interesting while doing your research on this, let us know. Uh, maybe we can break some stories together or something. Hey, yeah, I remember the price is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Awesome, right, guys. guys. Thank, thank so you, everybody. Links are in the chat. Check them out. Mulligan Brothers joining us on the Power Hour. Awesome to have you guys on with us. Thank you. <laughs>
Boom. How about that one, Producer AB? That deserves an answer. Yeah, it's pretty fun. I mean, not our typical interview, um, but, you know, very interesting nonetheless. And I'm excited for the movie. I think I'm hoping that Power Hour, we get a little cameo in there when we get left on there. What do you think? I, I that would be pretty cool. It would be pretty cool. Maybe we and what J- Jason was about to talk through a stock. Do you remember which one it was? It was Generac, G-E-N-R. All right, that that's where we left it off at. I think. I don't know if he's still out there and wants to come on. Uh, but but Generac was the oh ticker. GRNC, sorry. GR yeah wait. yeah it's uh, you GNRC, know GRNC yeah it backs up you know uh, your power if your power goes out when there's storms. So now they're saying you know uh, the next storm's coming up right now in Florida. So there you go. GNRC is right there. Um, so people are buying it. It was down at 240, 260. I've owned it since the beginning of Corona when I was like at the low. It's one of the ones I held on to, unlike some of the other one, other ones like uh, Big Five Sporting Goods that I bought at 180 and sold at 250. And now it's at 25. But Generac was one of the ones I kept. Didn't keep all of it, but I kept most of it. Um, I also kept most of Wendy's too. Um, I sold a little bit of that when we had, you know, when it was pictured as a reddit stock um and i also mentioned voyager it's staying voyager stay v-y-g-v-f it's staying around uh you know 16 16 1650 so i like that there's support there um you know i like that there's support um and i like that it hasn't fallen back to 15 14 level um it'll be interesting to see what they announce new um one thing that I did notice is BlockFi lowered its its stable coin rates, uh, whereas um, Voyager didn't. So I'm still getting nine percent on my USDC through Voyager. Very, you know, I'm happy with that. So I don't know if that cuts into margins or if that's just going to keep people people moving more accounts there because that that was good. Um, I did not get rid of my Caesars CZR. I still own Caesars. I still own um, um, and I still own Win. Um, up a little bit on them, and or just like it's it's fractional. Um, I still think the Vegas plays are there. Um, that is, you know, it's it's going to be. Um, what does it say? WS went private this weekend. It's going to be a lot harder for people to find those high flying meme stocks until a new form is created for the public, or they back. Well, if we could find some developers, you can build a, a Reddit th- thread on Benzinga. You know, yeah, maybe trade ideas will become the new Wall Street bets. Um, all right, Jason, we do have our next guest up uh, coming from In The Money Stocks. I'm excited there. Hopefully, uh, Garrett's going to come with some big trade ideas. Do you have any other tickers we want to talk about real quick before we bring Gareth on? No, nope. You go. Take it. Take it, dude. Let's do it. Gareth, how we doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, so Gareth is joining us from inthemoneystocks.com. Um, can you give our audience some background on, on the website real quick? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, a little background on me. Um, I grew up in a middle-class family. Um, my parents never invested ever um, in 
high school, I did like one of those investment club types things. And it was just in the late nineties when the dot coms were going insane, which is very reminiscent of what we've seen in AMC and GameStop. You know, it's, it's that same kind of craziness. And it, you know, even though it was a fake account back then, I was just so amazed that my fake account could double and triple in size so easily. And it, it became addicting, frankly. And it was something where I said, this is something I have to do as a career. Um, you know, obviously I would find out later on, it wasn't that easy, obviously. Um, but, but that's where I went and, and I just continued. And then in 2007, we launched in the money I launched it with a business partner and we came up with this methodology where we really analyze the charts in a specific way. And it kind of gives us at least the probabilities pretty nicely in our favor. So that's where we've come from. We've been around for a long time and it's been a great ride. Wow. Yeah. So do you, outside of just the crazy price action and the movement in the stocks, what, what similarities do you see between what we're, what's going on right now and maybe what we saw in the early 2000s? Yeah. So, so some of the things, so the price movement, obviously, I still remember, you know, penny stocks back in the late nineties, I would buy at two cents. The next day it would be eight cents. Then it would be 50 cents. And then it'd be a dollar uh, in, in a matter of a week too, which is just incredible back then. But also some of the other concerning things for me are, are the margin deficit level. So you have investors borrowing a lot of money um, to buy stocks. They're over leveraged essentially. And that creates a scenario that if any little hiccup comes in the market, you could see a mass deleveraging event where stocks really get crushed. I mean, it could be a flash crash type scenario or a longer drawn out situation. So those type of things are a concern. Insider selling is a concern to me. Uh, the insiders are just loving these markets at all time highs that keep grinding higher. They're dumping at record levels here. Uh, so many signals like that just have me on edge. I don't trust the markets right now at all. Okay. I mean, that's good to know. I mean, we see some um, you know, kind of hesitance and in, in, in understanding what's going on in the market. Some people are either super bullish or super bearish, but it sounds like you're kind of wanting to just hang out on the sidelines, see, see what, what things are doing. Um, I agree. I mean, insider buying, is something that I love to look at in a company. If I, if I already like a company and then I see that they have a lot of, you know, insider buying, then that's a great sign for me to get in. And obviously on the flip side, insider selling is like a big, no, no, I want out of that company if we see a lot of insider selling. Yeah. Um, do you have any companies off the top of your head where you've seen some of this insider selling pick up? I mean, I mean, believe it or not, in some of the meme stocks, you've had some of the insider selling pick up and you can't blame them. I mean, they're seeing their stocks go up hundreds, if not thousands of percentage points. Um, you've even seen some some selling pressure from institutional side in many of the big name stocks across the board, whether it's Apple or other names like that. You know, a lot of institutions are now starting to put themselves even on the short side of the market or more in cash just as we get to these lofty levels. And I think it's based off the fact that you have a market that hasn't had a major correction in years. Uh, we haven't had a recession, a big recession anyway, since 2008, 2009. And we all know, or at least most people should know, that the Fed is getting to the point where you're going to remove, they're going to start removing liquidity. They're going to start raising interest rates. Inflation is starting to bubble up. These are all things that historically have been a negative for the market. And, and, the, the big institutions are starting to position themselves accordingly. So wait, you, you said we haven't had a big correction in year. Are you not counting the, the COVID crash? Yeah. I mean, so to me, that's more of an outlier where it was a specific event. It wasn't, you know, you didn't see the economy curtailing and slowing prior to that. It was more all of a sudden, oh my goodness, look at this explosive pandemic that's hitting, hitting things. So, so to me, that's not a real 
a real economic recession. It was caused by a virus, obviously. And um, and so it doesn't kind of go into the same. You can't really say like, oh, well, that's that means that was a down cycle in the markets. It's more like you still have to go through the normal ups and downs of cycles. And remember, the government came out and literally spent trillions of dollars. The Fed continues to be the biggest buyer of our treasuries, which to me, that's this is insane, right? So you have the Fed, the biggest buyer of the U.S. debt is the is the the Federal Reserve. And they were doing this because we were in a catastrophic situation, which I understand. But now you have a scenario where the economy is just exploding with growth and they're still doing it. I mean, it's it's beyond me why they would continue to have these these policies intact when we're doing relatively well in terms of growth. So. Yeah. So I hear you on the COVID, you know, you're looking at it as like a black swan event and yeah. not something that was a true market correction just based on the economy. Um, and yeah, I remember that when, when we saw this initial sell-off happening here back in February and March, I remember there was one day in particular where they announced the Fed was buying, you know, 500 million or $500 billion worth of assets or something. And there was like the tiniest little bit of a green candle and then boom, just back down to in the downtrend that we saw. And it was like, they announced they were buying all that money just for one little, you know, for 10 minutes, the, the spy like leveled out and then continued to drop. Yeah. Um, that's, and that's what happens so often is that during bear market periods where there's all out panic, you see that selling just insatiable, just like on the buy side, you could argue that, you know, investors are just looking to put more and more money in the market. And, and I always come back to kind of the thought process of being logical. Like there's always the greed side and there's always the fear side to the market. The best investors are the wor- of, in the world are going to be the ones that just kind of keep an even keel and look at the facts, right? They don't get caught up in the momentum. They don't get caught up in that greed. And they say, okay, well, you know, if, if the world were to go into catastrophic, you know, collapse tomorrow, is there real value here in in this stock? And I think that's what investors should be asking themselves. And there are stocks out there that do have value. Um, there's a lot of stocks out there that are way overvalued too. So yeah, I mean, I was just going to ask. So I assume even though you're you know you're hesitant on the market right now, um, you have your site. I imagine you're not just you know you, you still are putting out trade ideas, correct? You're not just saying sit back on the sideline for everyone, right? Yeah, correct. And in fact, in fact, I, I'm short the indices now. So so I'm short uh, the NASDAQ 100. I'm short the S&P here. Uh, I'm short the Russell. The Russell's actually having a nice little drop today as well with the S&P. So there are the beauty of, of what I do is which is more swing trading, which is, is shorter term trading. And so I'm in a stock for a week or a few days or a month is that we just try to play the moves up and down. And we find that we can make more money by playing the pop up and then a retrace as well rather than just holding a stock for 20 years where you might make, you know, a 500%, but if you swing trade it intra period, you can actually double or triple your returns. So yeah, there's absolutely trading opportunities, both on the long side here, as well as on the short side. Okay. Well, do we have any, you know, particular outside of the indices, any particular name stocks you're looking at that you think might be undervalued, overvalued? Um, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So let's let's touch base on a couple of these. Like Alibaba to me is one that I, I've accumulated today. Um, this is getting caught up in the, the Chinese regulation and kind of push to kind of uh, hamper, you know, whether it's investment from abroad or whatnot. We see the crackdown on Diddy on Friday where they basically said, hey, you guys aren't being transparent enough for what the government wants. We want to have more access. And so the Chinese stocks have really gotten hammered here. And you can see some good supports right in this lower range. 
Um, and it's a stock that if you look at the value, the, the price to earnings ratio is actually very low because of this extra risk from China. My thesis is that eventually, basically, China's just flexing their muscles, right? They, I, I've used this, this analogy before, but it's like I have a three and a half year old, four year old, right? And she'll get a little, she'll get away with a little bit more and a little bit more and I'll, I'll let it pass. I'll let it pass. But eventually you have to put your foot down and say, OK, you know, we can't do this anymore. That's what the Chinese government is doing right now. They're putting their foot down to kind of rein in the craziness. They don't want to hurt their golden children being Alibaba, Baidu and some of these other companies. Um, they still want them to be the proud you know, representation of China. So they will step away once these companies kind of come back in line and let that growth resume. So I think, you know, names like the Chinese stocks, even though they're beaten down, that's when you want to buy them. You don't want to buy them at all time highs. You want to buy them when there's there's a lot of pressure on them. Yep, we were we were talking about Baba earlier today too, and we kind of uh, Luke, who was on the show earlier, was saying he sees it as as the premier Chinese stock right now. Um, and yeah, I mean, it looks like a great buying opportunity. We saw it all the way up here at almost three hundred and twenty dollars back in October of last year, all the way down at two ten right now. Um, definitely have my eye on that one. Uh, any any other ones? Uh, any other Chinese stocks in particular? I know you mentioned what Baidu or Baidu. BIDU is an interesting one. Um, and, and then there's, there's a bunch. I mean, YY is a good one, which is Joy. That's gotten just, I mean, that stock was trading at $150. It's now right around $62. Um, and I love trends. So so people look at a chart like that, right? And they're like, oh my goodness, it's it's a falling knife. It's in such a steep downtrend. I look at charts like that and say, okay, What's the reasoning behind it? Okay, it's nothing specific to the company. Okay, that's a good thing, right? So it's not like they're going out of business or anything like that. And then I look at the chart and I try to find some support. And there's a ton of support right around 62 as well. And I say, okay, oversold into technical support. Fear and panic are driving it lower. And a lot of these stocks lower, they're due for a bounce. And again, if you look at RSI, it's way to the downside. The RSI indicators are way oversold. These are the types of things that get me to say, okay, I might be able to get 10% to the upside in a week on this name, and I'm not going to marry it. I'm not going to hold it for the next 20 years, but if I can get 10% in a week, I'm all about that type of set setup. Yeah, if you get 10% in a week and you do that for 52 weeks, you're looking at 520% over the year. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like you're looking at both. You're looking at both the technical aspects of the chart, you know, the RSI, the Relative Strength Index as well as looking at like what the company's doing. Is there news that's driving the stock um, all the way down? So is, is that, would you say it's accurate? Yeah, very accurate. So, so again, you know, for instance, if a drug stock says, hey, our biggest drug candidate failed its trials, I mean, obviously you may want to step back and not invest in that because, because their, their biggest potential growth driver for the future is gone. But in, in the case of a lot of these Chinese stocks, the decline started with that Archegos capital collapse back, you know, I think that was in February or March. And then the selling has just continued as the government has come back, come out here and just kind of piled on. And to me, I look at it and I say, okay, so you have US stocks like NVIDIA and, and these other names like Google and, and Amazon hitting all time highs, their valuations are getting stretched. And I look at a valuation on a YY or a, a BABA and I say, okay, these things are way off of their highs. They're kind of, it's more like going to the, going to the mall and being like, all right, I'll buy these great pair of jeans. They're 50% off right now versus, you know, I'm never going to go to the, the mall and say, oh, yippee, those jeans could just got marked up to $200 from hundred. I'm going to go buy those, right? We always want to have that mentality of, is this on sale? And if it is, then I'm a buyer. Right. And I think the whole story right now that we're seeing with China stocks, I mean, it's pretty interesting. I, I made the point earlier. I don't think I articulated it very well. 
but just the, the fact that it, it seems at least like the Chinese regulatory process is working, right? They find discrepancies in DDs, financials or whatever it is, and they crack down on it. They want to see what's going on. And, you know, it's like you, the analogy you gave with your your uh, child, too. It's like they have they crack down. They, they are flexing their power. But is that better or worse? And if they just let these companies run amok and, and pull a luck and coffee or whatever and report numbers for however many years that are inaccurate. It's just like, to be honest, it's just like what you want to see in Bitcoin, right? So so we hear about regulation for Bitcoin and how scary it is. And every time you see regulation mentioned with Bitcoin, people freak out. But in the long term, it's actually a good thing. You want things to be transparent. You want them to be open and honest. And the same thing goes with Chinese companies. In fact, I think it's a positive longer term for the Chinese companies to have the government more forcing them to report things in certain ways. In fact, I think it was a couple months ago, the U.S. administration came out and said, hey, listen, we want Chinese companies to report their data in terms of the way the U.S. companies do so the transparency is there. So this might actually be a, a track that the Chinese government's starting to go on to actually open up and become more compliant with what the U.S. is asking in terms of, of investors. Yeah, I mean, I agree 100%. And it also kind of shows that um, the government is able to to regulate the companies over there, not the other way around, where it's essentially companies controlling what the government is doing. Um, right. All right, Gareth. Well, we I do got to wrap up here, but if there's any other trade ideas or any other thing you want to um, talk about, I'm going to throw the link to the website in the chat in case we have any viewers that want to go check it out, which I strongly recommend that you do. Um, that's inthemoneystocks.com. I have your Twitter up here too, Gareth. Is it Soloway or Soloway? Soloway, yeah. Soloway. Yeah, I want to make sure. Yeah, I'm my Twitter's just at Gareth Soloway, first name, last name. Awesome. Yep. And then and then the only other stock that I like right now, I mean there's a few, but but like a Viacom, I think that's one you just want to keep an eye on. I think it's retracing after a short-term breakout. Um, low PE with potential for being a buyout candidate with all the mergers going on in streaming right now. So so take a look at that one too. That's one of my favorites. I just picked that up today as well. Was this involved in the Archegos? Is it was this part of that big Yep. Uh, falling knife. Absolutely. Okay. Yep. That's what I and thought. I mean, that was just, it should have never been up at a hundred plus, but it, it, it down here to me, it looks very attractive down here, especially if you look like a nine forward PE, very low. And again, you Ooh. know, could Comcast be a buyer? Could, you know, there's, there's, they're going to have to, you know, see, see who's out there that's interested, but there could be a buyer there. Yeah. And I love right now, I love in streaming. I love the live sports play because live sports is one of the only things you know, along with like presidential debates and things like that, one of the only things that people will watch live. Yep. So the, the advertisements for that become worth a lot more than say you're watching reruns on Netflix or whatever. And Viacom has some good live sporting, uh, including the the Champions League, uh, which is huge internationally. Um, and, and I've said it before, I'll say it again. I like seeing a stock kind of trading sideways like this for a little bit. I like that consolidation. And that's to me, a lot of times where I like to get in is when I see this bottom forming, and I'm yeah, looking for a nice potential rounded bottom right there. And again, you'd like to see it hold. There's, it's right around the 50, 20 moving averages on the daily. I'd like to see it hold right around this 42 level and then start to move back up. Yeah. Yep. I, I couldn't agree with you more, Gareth. I love the rounding bottoms here. Um, all right. Well, we'd love to have you back on the show again. Uh, sorry, we have to cut it a little short today. But anytime you have some trade ideas, you know, hop on the show. We like to just have fun, throw out some trade ideas. And, and yeah, that's really the gist of the show. Awesome. I love it. Thank you so much for having me on. And I, and I hope to be back soon. All right, Gareth. Yep. I'll reach out and we'll get you back on. Awesome. All right. That was Gareth from In The Money Stock. Some good market insight there. Um, and what I'm going to do is bring on my very good friend, Spencer. <laughs>